Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Gregory Melville and Susan Fox and Kathleen Bromage. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalbethanchel. Sports play a big part in our American culture. The big three come to mind, football, baseball, basketball, all managed by successful professional leagues. Now, boxing has a long history worldwide and in the U.S., but it's not as popular here. The Gallup poll consistently finds that only 1% of self-identified sports fans rate boxing as their favorite. Today, where we live, we hear about boxing's history in Connecticut. Now, coming up, we'll talk with a Hall of Fame boxer about what brought him to the sport, and later, the state boxing commissioner will join us to explain why Connecticut hopes to make Bridgeport a boxing destination. Now, do you watch boxing? What is it about the sport known as the sweet science that appeals to some and turns others off? You can join the conversation, 860-275-7266. Email where we live at wmpr.org. And as always, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at where we live. Now, joining me in studio is Richard Biondi. He's a social studies teacher, track coach at Branford High School. He's also an author of a couple of boxing books, and I like to think of you as a boxing historian. So, uh, Rich, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me today. So you've written two books about boxing. Tell us about those books. Yes. I, um, as a child, I spent a lot of time with my maternal grandfather. His name was Joe Bacchetti, and he was an immigrant from Rome. And uh, when he came to America, he settled on Worcester Street in New Haven's Little Italy, and he was an amateur fighter. And as I was growing up, we would watch boxing matches together on Saturday, or we would he would talk to me about the great Italian fighters during the 1920s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. So boxing was always my favorite sport. I'm part of that 1%. And um, in the mid-'90s, I was watching a movie on Rocky Marciano with a friend of mine, who I teach with at Brantford High School named Sal Zara. And at the end of the, the movie on Rocky Marciano, I told Sal that I was going to write a book on Italian-American boxers. And for the next 10 to 12 years, I interviewed over 400 boxers, trainers, managers, et cetera, et cetera. Now, you mentioned um, the 20s to the 50s. That's considered boxing's golden age in this country? Absolutely. And also here in Connecticut, I think people are not aware of the great boxing tradition that we have here in our state going back to the 1920s when at that time it was very common for each city to have uh, athletic clubs. So here in Hartford we had the uh, Nutmeg Athletic Club, they had the Brooklyn Athletic Club in Waterbury, and these clubs sponsored um, boxing programs and also held weekly boxing cards. And uh, there were larger venues also like the New Haven Arena so there's a great tradition here in Connecticut of boxing. Some of the greatest fighters of all time have come from Connecticut, including Hartford's own Willie Pep. Now we're going to hear about more uh, more about Willie Pep and, and other fighters like uh, Nathan Mann in just a little bit. But can we talk a little bit more about um, these neighborhood um these clubs uh, where these matches took place. And we think about the Northeast, you know, uh, the very rich history of, of immigrants and um, the di- 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 dynamic between these neighborhoods and these immigrant communities. Absolutely. It all tied together. Um, in, in our cities here in Connecticut, um, there were many, many boxers during the, the Great Depression. 
And these men um, came from their neighborhoods, which were predominantly at that time still ethnic enclaves. And um, very cleverly, the local uh, promoters would pit the Irish fighter from one section against the Italian fighter from you know a, a rival neighborhood. And what would happen that these fight cards at these small venues, they would attract large crowds of neighborhood people rooting for their fighter. So this uh, the the Great Depression is when there were many many boxing gyms throughout the state and weekly cards on usually on a Tuesday night, but also on the weekends. And these amateur and professional boxing cards were the the growing area for fighters to develop their skills and. Um, and my area of focus was really on this time period because these men were were warriors. They were a breed apart, so they would have to not only fight as often as possible, they also had jobs in construction or in factories, and um, they made almost no money. They would fight typically during the Great Depression for a watch, and then they would sell that watch and make maybe 5 or $10.00. And a week or two later, they were back in the ring ready to fight again. This has been called the poor man's sport. Is that still the, the way this is seen today? Absolutely. Boxing has always been uh, a, a sport of, of the poor. Not many affluent or middle-class uh, kids are going to go into boxing. Boxing is a way out of, out of, the, out of poverty for, uh, for young men and, and today young women because boxing now includes women and this has been going on for a century here in America, and um, for many, it has given them the opportunity to to have a better life uh, for for their children. And um, it starts with being willing to. As I've uh, always thought of a boxer, I never fought, and I'm very honest. When I interviewed the 400 people that I did over that 10-year period, I was very honest to tell these world champions, Hall of Fame members that. I never fought as an amateur or a professional. I really have never even had a street fight. But to be a boxer is a special person. It takes a special person to walk up those three steps and climb into the ring and, and try to knock out a person that you probably do not dislike. But it's all in the name of, of trying to earn to make your uh, children have a better life than, than the boxers did themselves. I'm speaking with Rich Biondi. Uh, he's written uh, a couple of books about boxing uh, history, not only uh, here in, in the region, but also uh, worldwide. One of them is called Pugilistic Paisani, and he is a teacher at Branford uh, High School. So we uh, thank you for uh, talking with us today about this. As we talk about boxing history in Connecticut, there are efforts to bring it back, and we want to hear you join the conversation, 860-275-7266. Let's take our listeners back to uh, the golden the golden golden age of boxing. Here we have a clip. It's from the 1938 fight at Madison Square Garden in New York City it, it, um, where Nathan Mann, he was the heavyweight champion. Uh, tell us a little bit about him before we hear the clip. Nathan Mann was a, uh, a great fighter who came out of really Hamden. He grew up in Hamden. He's always associated with um, New Haven. He trained out of New Haven and he had a um, a manager who came out of New Jersey. And he was a very talented fighter, uh, very strong he uh, had a great career. It was too early in his career, 1938, for him to take on the, the immortal Joe Lewis. Um, all historians consider Joe Lewis as one of the top five or ten fighters of all time. And um, Nathan Mann was kind of pushed into that fight in 1938. Uh, estimate 20,000 people from New Haven 
uh, took the train to uh, New York City to support their local fighter. Nathan did very well early in the fight, and he had even hurt Joe Lewis. And then, of course, Joe Lewis uh, became uh, probably woken up by Nathan's power and was able to uh, to knock Nathan out early, I, I believe in the second or third round. Mm-hmm. But Nathan Mann continued his career um, after the loss to Joe Lewis and won about 75 fights during his career, and he was a longtime New England champion and a member of the Connecticut Boxing Hall of Fame. And we have a clip from that 1938 fight. Let's hear it. This is the main event, 15 rounds for the World Heavyweight Championship. The very capable young challenger from Hamden, Connecticut, weighing one... If you will, please. Thank you. Weighing 23 and a half, wearing purple trunks, Nathan Mann. There's your opportunity. And so we hear the fans. Uh, the New Haven Register reported there was so much hype that additional trains had to be added to go from New Haven to New York. And you hear that, that hometown crowd cheering him on. And uh, as you said earlier, he didn't win that match, but he still uh, went down in the history books. He did not win, but he, he represented himself very well against really, you know, most boxing historians are going to put Joe Lewis up there as the number one or two heavyweight of all time. And uh, there's no... Uh, harm in saying you lost to Joe Lewis. Uh, he did very well for himself. Now, you mentioned Willie Pep. Uh, Willow the Wisp, I, I hear, is his nickname. Tell us about him. Willie Pep, a local boy. He grew up in Middletown. Um, without a doubt, uh, one of the most talented men to ever uh, step into the ring. He won uh, around 215 fights in his career, 212, I think, is the actual number. And um, just uh, just so beautiful in the ring with his footwork and his uh, his his speed, speed of foot and speed of hand, and uh, really was considered um, just such a craftsman. He supposedly actually won a round um, in the 40s. Uh, he told his handlers before the round that he was going to win the round without even throwing a punch. And the person he was fighting was a top-ranked fighter, and using his footwork, he darted around the, ro- the, uh, the ring, bounced off the ropes, and actually won that round. And... Um, he is, without a doubt, uh, one of the greatest fighters of all time. He had uh, a uh, legendary series against Henley Sadler. I believe they fought five or six times. And then after he retired, he stayed in the greater Hartford area and was very active in boxing events, boxing shows. He refereed uh, boxing cards. And really, until the end of his life, uh, he was a hero and a legend here in Connecticut. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalbethanchel. I'm speaking with Rich Biondi, a boxing historian, author of two books uh, about boxing here in Connecticut. Uh, before we go to break, Rich, um, you've interviewed lots of boxers. How are they different from ath- other athletes? First of all, I-, I would say that they are they're willing to make sacrifices that not many other athletes would make. I mean, typically a boxer gets up in the morning, does their road work goes to their job, primarily a blue-collar job, and then goes to the, the gym for two hours at night and then does the same thing the next day. They were so giving to me, the boxers that I interviewed, dozens of world champions. I just integrated myself into their community and called them at home 
and not one person uh, refused to give me their time uh, articles out of their scrapbooks. And it was really amazing to me how uh, uh, just a teacher, which is a great thing, but a teacher was able to call a world champion and they would talk to me. I mean, think of trying to talk to Tom Brady. How, what are the chances of a person calling him and being able to talk to him and then go to his house and meet him and have lunch with them and go to banquets with him? This is Where We Live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Coming up, we're going to talk to a boxer who was recently inducted into the Connecticut Hall of Fame. We'll find out more from Rich Biondi about our rich history here in Connecticut of boxing. And the question, what brings young men and now women to the sport? We'll find out. Join the conversation, 860-275-7266. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalbathanchel. Now, everyone knows Muhammad Ali, controversial, no doubt. Many see him as a legend, one of the greatest boxers of all time. But what leads young men and now women into boxing? Is it watching icons like Ali growing up or something else entirely? Now, in studio with me is Rich Biondi. He's a boxing historian and author of Pugilistic Paisani, and, um, as well as another book. He's a teacher at Brantford High School. And before the break, uh, Rich, you were telling us a little bit about some of the icons like Nathan Mann and Willie Pep. But take us into the 80s and 90s um, and some of the, the local champs that are born and bred here in Connecticut. There's been many uh, ranked fighters who've come out of Connecticut uh, from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and into today. I um, mean, obviously in Hartford, uh, where we are, Marlon Starling was a great world champion as uh, Tra- Travis Sims out of Bridgeport. So, it, And there are many contenders uh, who are still in the state of Connecticut. Um, a f- friend of mine, Sean Malone's, uh, Malone Sr., was a, um, a boxing trainer and just an amazing man, came to this country from Ireland with a suitcase and $5 in that suitcase. And Sean Sr. went into construction and uh, became a boxing trainer. And he became a boxing trainer not to make money, but because he wanted to help kids, help kids stay off the street, as most of the trainers do. There's there's not money involved. Only the Freddie Roaches who train the, the people on HBO are making money. Mm. All the other trainers, like Sean Sr. and Sean Jr., who's currently training fighters out of their gym in Longford, they're doing it for the love of the sport and trying to help young people learn discipline and self-respect, self-esteem, and to stay out of trouble. Sean Malone Jr. Um, uh, was the New England champion, South Paul, very talented, quick, and was ranked in the top 10. And he continues today to honor his father by training fighters out of their gym in Wallingford, Connecticut. Now we have Sean Malone Jr. on the phone with us. Sean, welcome to the show. Uh, good morning. Pleasure to be here. Now, we were just hearing a little bit of your history uh, from Rich Biondi, who knew your father, the late Sean Malone uh, Sr. Um, I also want to let our listeners know you are a 2016 inductee into the Connecticut Boxing Hall of Fame. So first, congratulations. Thank you very much. It's a big honor, and um, I'm just glad to be uh, uh, part of a historic group that's in there, and most of all, to be uh, in the hall with my dad. So tell us about... Big honor. Tell us about your father. Obviously, he uh, he trained you, and um, you know about the sport of boxing for people who you know may not watch the sport. What is it about it? Uh, the sport of boxing is a um, it's co- you know it's the sweet science. It's 
it's a sport where um, certain people are bred to do. It's it's not your average uh, person that's going to get in there and do it. And uh, you know, a little bit of it. Um, it's starting to lose a little bit of the luster in Connecticut, and I'd like to see more of it um, uh, be more supported with the state. Uh, there's a lot of great fighters in the state that are um, developing their skills, and um, it just I'd like to see it more on a mainstream and the local level just so you can build your following in this state. Now, Sean, you mentioned the sweet science. Tell it, Explain what that means. Sweet science, it's... Um, it's like a chess match. It's, you know, people think of it as a, a, a brutal sport. It's far from a brutal sport. You know, a, a, any sport can be brutal if you want to dissect it. But, um, you know, there's skills that um, are very hard to teach and it, that come natural to fighters with your head movements and your, um, your ability to move your feet and uh, your hand speed and your hand and eye coordination. Um, there's a there's a there's a big science to it, and if you get the right people around you, it's it's uh, beautiful to watch. Now we heard a little bit about your dad, Sean Malone Sr. Tell us about him. Uh, my father was a, an Irish immigrant that came to this country, and uh, uh, he was the greatest man I uh, ever knew. Uh, he was uh, 100% in my corner, and uh, uh, a true stand-up guy. Um, he's the type of guy that would give you the shirt off his back to help you and uh, never ask for anything in return. And um, I like to pride myself on that uh, in my life, too. If, if I can help you, I, I'll, I'll do 100% for you and uh, never look for anything in return. And so when did you start training with him as a, as a child? Did you watch the matches first and then decide this is something I want to do? No, uh, my father. Um, I was always a, a a little runty kid, and um, back when growing up, there you know there was always getting picked on, or um, there was always a fist fight. And he always wanted me to learn how to use my hands, and uh, so I learned how to. You know, what he brought me in, brought me in, started teaching me, and and uh, you know, I said, well, let's try a match. And he, you know, he trained me for a year before he did. I, I was in there when I was eight years old. And um, before I even got into a match, and then it just, you know, went from there, went from state championships to um, regional championships to fighting in national tournaments to turning pro and making my mark as a pro until the injuries took over. And then um, now, I, now I'm on the outside looking in, trying to help these kids um, better themselves as individuals uh, in life as long as being a great athlete. You said the injuries took over. So how long was your career before you had to retire? Um, I, it was about a 12-year career where it was um, strictly 100% boxing uh, day in and day out. And, but, um, you know, there's a toll. There's only a chosen few that get to the top of the tier. Um, I was glad to uh, be a part of it and uh, travel to, uh, travel all over the country and different parts of the world. And uh, it's, just a, it's, it's just a sport that um, I'd love to see more mainstream than it is right now. Mm-hmm. 
This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalbathanchel. I'm speaking with uh, Sean Malone Jr. He's a trainer, former professional boxer, a 2016 inductee into the Connecticut Boxing Hall of Fame. Uh, he's a resident of Wallingford. And today we're talking about the state's uh, boxing history. Um, we are hearing about efforts to bring back uh, boxing uh, uh, to Connecticut. And uh, joining us now is Scott X. Estale. He's chair of the Connecticut Boxing Commission. Uh, Scott, welcome to the show. Good morning. <laughs> and now tell us about, I don't think people knew that there's a, a, a boxing commission and you're, you're the chair. So tell us about the efforts here in Connecticut. Well, uh, the boxing commission, there's actually nine people on the boxing commission <clears throat> for the state boxing commission. I've been on the commission for for four years, and now I'm the chairman of the boxing commission. So out of the nine individual, out of the nine individuals, they uh, they select the chairman. And what about these efforts to bring back boxing? We heard, uh, you know, Sean Malone Jr. is on the phone. I'm sure you know him, and he's How talking you doing, about. Sean? <laughs> What's going on? How you doing? <laughs> Hanging in, brother. Hanging in. <laughs> All right. But he I'm was talking to your uh, interview. Did a great job. And Scott, he was talking about, Sean was talking about, you know, boxing has lost its luster. Um, uh, he wants to see it brought back. So what does that mean in, in your uh, capacity as, as chairman of the Boxing Commission? Well, I, you know, I, I, I still, I would beg to differ a little bit. It's definitely not as exciting as when we grew up. But I will say that at the same time, when Mayweather fought Pacquiao, it was a $140 million ticket, so... People are definitely still interested in boxing. Uh, you could tell by the overwhelming um, amount of support worldwide that it received when those two guys fought. So I, I think that, you know, the potential is there. People can look at the uh, as the glass at half empty or half full, but I, I'm looking at it as half full, and I'm really excited about this new position that I received, and we're going to really do some exciting stuff. I don't know if you guys talked about the retreat that we have coming up yet, but if you want to ask me about it, I'll talk about it. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But you bet you made you made some uh, a comment, and I wanted to just talk a little bit more about you know the money that's made on boxing. Um, but does it trickle back down uh, to these these athletes in the ring? And um, you know, we were hearing from Sean that he had to retire after injuries about the toll that the sport takes on these athletes. Oh yeah, I mean, I, you know, I I pretty much gave you the extreme in reference to how much money was made uh, with Mayweather. But, you know, just like, you know, with LeBron James in basketball or or um, Alex Rodriguez in baseball, you know, everyone doesn't make the same amount of money. So, I mean, there's different levels of, of the sport. Um, there's definitely a lot of injuries in all sports. And um, there's different... Uh, uh, stories, uh, but one thing that I would like to say is that um, uh, what we're striving to do here in Connecticut is some really exciting stuff. Um, and what we're trying to do is have a conversation and a dialogue about how we make Connecticut the center of the Northeast Corridor uh, for boxing on the East Coast. And uh, you know, the, one time there was a conversation about how they made. Las Vegas, uh, well, there was uh, an individual who who wanted to make uh, the the gambling capital of the world in the middle of a desert, and a lot of people laughed at him. And you know, great minds came together, and now Las Vegas is the the, the top, the number I should say, the, the, the one of the top 
tourist capitals of the world. And then there was another individual, Mr. Disney, who who wanted to uh, create the, the amusement capital of the world, and he wanted to do it in the swamps of Orlando, and people laughed at him. And now he has the the uh, the largest amusement capital of the world in, o- in Orlando. And uh, what we want to do is have a conversation on how we can make Connecticut the boxing capital of the world. We don't have a professional baseball. We don't have professional basketball. We don't have professional football. But if we get the best minds around the table, uh, and get all the stakeholders in the room and have a conversation about how we can make Connecticut, you know, the capital of the East Coast. I think we could outdo Vegas. I think that we could outdo uh, Atlantic City. And I think that we could be the premier uh, fighting capital of the world. I mean, if you look at it, ESPN's headquarters is in Connecticut. NBC Sports uh, headquarters is in Connecticut. Uh, the hedge fund capital of the world is here in Connecticut. Uh, Bridgeport, where we're going to be having this retreat, has a, a ferry that comes over from Long Island where there's uh, some of the wealthiest people in America living. Uh, they have great train stations right off of 95. You have Webster Arena. You have a great baseball field there for outdoor fights in the summertime. Diageo, the largest liquor company in the world, is right there in Norwalk, Connecticut. Subway uh, is one of the largest uh, uh, fast food franchises in the world. Is right there in Milford, Connecticut. We have some great great pieces in Connecticut. If we connect the dots and, 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 and put the best minds and the most creative minds around the table, we could, uh, we could do some awesome things here. It's just a matter of just getting the right people around the table, the most creative people around the table, uh, the best architects and uh, the best people that run restaurants and boutiques and really uh, do some really creative and fascinating things. And we could, we could really get this place jumping. You know what I mean? You get the artists, uh, uh, the performers were right outside of New York and right between New York and Boston. Connecticut is really positioned well to be uh, the premier place for boxing. Well, America. certainly, Scott, you have a lot of optimism. I want to turn back to the boxer, Sean Malone Jr. What do you think about um, these efforts? Can we make Connecticut the boxing capital of the world? What's it going to take? Uh, we, can, we can, but the, the problem is when you have... Uh, you know, a small promoter trying to uh, build his athletes uh, and and get him known in the state. Um, it's hard to run a small show with uh, without the state chopping into everything. And uh, you know, we're 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 trying to get fighters uh, moving in the right direction and uh, have them have a ta- have a full room of people. But it's it's hard to get a a, a show going in the state. And, um, well, you have to get better with, you gotta hook up with better promoters. Against us. And that's the key for us to connect with the best promoters in the area. And the best promoters in the area are not connected to the boxing industry. And that's why it's extremely important connected, to develop relationships. I'm connected to the boxing industry. And I, I've tried to I'm push talking about promoters. It's not worth it. I'm talking about promoters. There's young people in our communities that need to be invited into the industry. They're, they're in of the hip-hop industry, the end uh, of the music industry. And if you notice, now you see Rock Nation, meaning Jay-Z and those guys, they're all getting into the sports industry now. 50 Cent is now getting into the sports industry now. You have to let the young people in the industry. You have to let the young people in the industry. No, no, I can understand letting somebody into the industry, but when when you're working with the the state on trying to get a show together, 
you know, the state so, wants so come to uh, us and tell money us right off the top. Are. Come to us huh? and, and let us know what your obstacles are, and we're going to help you. All right, Scott, let's listen to what Sean Malone, I just wanted, I, I, had, I was unsure of what he said at the end there. Sean Malone, what do you think the state needs to do to help bring the sport back? I think the state needs to give uh, the promoters in the, in the area that are trying to put their fighters on uh, local cards uh, uh, at least a tax uh, tax break to the point where we can build a, a, a good following for fighters and um, move them around where before you know it, you know, we're having pro shows uh, once a month in the state. And, you know, that's, that's to me, that's the key to get these young fighters. And there's a lot of fighters in this state right now that are, are uh, going elsewhere to fight instead of uh, building themselves right here in the state. Let me ask you this: When you throw a fight, do you get good turnouts? When I put on when I put on a show, do I put yeah. on a, do I get a good turnout? Sure. Okay, good. And you're, what you're saying is that when you have these good turnouts, the reason why the fights are not on a regular basis is because of the taxes. Taxes are killing us. So, what for a typical fight? How much are you pay in taxes on a fight? Taxes, you're look, it all depends on how many seats you have in the arena. The state's going to look at the fight on how much arena. you pay for taxes. I don't have any of my paperwork in front of me, but I didn't know we were going to get into a, a, a <laughs> debate. About so we're sparring on air now. I mean, is, you're, you're, coming, to you're going to come at me with it. It's not. I'm not trying to argue the point with you. I'm just trying to. No, no, no. I'm just saying that uh, whatever it is, we'll strive to reduce so people the taxes so you can do more fights. So that's the ultimate goal. I don't want to know all your specifics, but. The bottom line, and I, I apologize for that, but the bottom line is that we want to encourage you to do more fights. That's the bottom line. We of want to help we're trying you. to do more boxing. We, there's, there's gyms all over the state that have, uh, uh, along with amateurs, there's professionals. And I don't understand why this state is struggling to have, um, it's losing its, its boxing uh, swagger in this state. This state is big with boxing. There's Waterbury's loaded with uh, boxers. New Haven's loaded with boxers. Uh, you know, you got you got a, a good heavyweights up in New London area, the Hartford That's area. There's all That's great fighters. Great kid. I agree. Uh, I mean, let's throw. Son. Great kid. Let me throw a tweet out there from a listener, Patrick. He writes, "Boxing will struggle without investments in police athletic leagues and public gyms. Gyms are now subsidized by white collar boxers and fitness buffs." So how do we change that? I, I didn't hear you well. Uh, the, uh, the, a listener tweeted, boxing will struggle without investments in police, athletic leagues, and public gyms. Gyms are now subsidized by white-collar boxers and fitness buffs. I don't know if that's true. I don't know yeah, if that's true. I think that the elephant in the room, ring-run boxing. That are not boxing-run gyms. There's a... Yeah. Uh, I think, there's there's, I think of that we have some good gyms across the state of Connecticut. Let me let me bring in a, a listener who's uh, been holding. Uh, Jason's on the line from West Hartford. Jason, you're on the show. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Were you able to follow a lot of that? <laughs> um, I'm treasurer of USA Boxing Connecticut, and we are the sanctioning body uh, for amateur boxing throughout the state. And uh, we've worked with Sean uh, with Malone's Boxing Gym, and um, I also know um, Scott Asdale very well. Uh, good morning, Mr. Chairman. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for calling in. Thank you. Um, so to to bring boxing back in the state of Connecticut, and I, I think that um, both of your guests would agree, is that it starts with the grassroots. 
It starts with the amateurs. It starts with the youth programs, like uh, Patrick tweeted, uh, the police athletic leagues, the public gyms. When we offer a safe, constructive, productive place for kids to go after their school, to be in a safe environment, learn how to live a clean lifestyle, and excel in the sport that they love, that we will see the grassroots come up and will eventually be the feeder system for the professional ranks. In October, we held the, uh, you mentioned Willie Pep, we held the Willie Pep Invitational at the Bond Ballroom in downtown Hartford. That was a fundraiser for USA Boxing Connecticut. It was a complete standing room only sellout. We had 11 uh, bouts with um, national champions from in and around New England and New York. And we had the WBC, the World Boxing Council, and the International Boxing Federation. Uh, those are world-sanctioning uh, bodies that give out world championship belts. They supported our event with um, making customized championship belts for these kids. When these kids saw these belts, they went bananas, and they fought really hard for them. And we recorded the event. Um, the event um, was a success financially and media-wise, and these are some of the things that we want to do from the USA Boxing standpoint. I agree. I mean, if you you heard what he just said, great fights are happening. Great, uh, There's a great spirit in the state of Connecticut. We just have to encourage it, promote it, lift it up, and take it to the next level. We have some great people in the state of Connecticut. They're doing great work. We just need to enhance it, promote it and connect the dots with other people that are doing great things and do even bigger fights together. And like you stated, let's keep developing young people, encouraging young people to get involved in the sport. And and, and once again, you can look at it in a negative way, or you can look at it in a positive way. we got to just keep pushing the positive. And I, I, I thank you for the great work that you're doing with USA Boxing. We've got some great people on USA Boxing uh, uh, Committee, and we just got to keep pushing. just got to keep pushing. I'm telling you, Connecticut is going to be – the premier state for boxing in this nation. It's going to happen. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. You're hearing Scott X. Esdale. He's the commissioner of the Connecticut Boxing Commission. Also on the phone with us is Sean Malone, Jr. He's a trainer, former professional boxer, and 2016 inductee into the Connecticut Boxing Hall of Fame. Um, Before we go to break, Sean, I wanted to ask you, just to piggyback on what Jason, who called in, was talking about the impact of the sport in communities, what it's doing for youth. Um, You know this very well. Tell us about um, how the sport can help uh, these kids. A lot of these kids come from uh, broken homes, and uh, this is their outlet. And, um, you know, amateur boxing in the state alone is, is uh, great for these kids. It gives them, uh, it gives them their outlet and their uh, self-esteem. Um, and, and just the uh, – if you come to an amateur show, um, there's even a show this weekend, and, and Sonia at Ortiz Boxing is putting on that um, – these kids are all respectful to one another. They, they, they have a, a, a great respect for one another. It's just it's great to see these kids um, show their talent uh, in these amateur settings. And um, it's it just the esteem uh, that they get out of it is the, and the experience of even traveling all over the country with the amateurs. Um, it just it, it makes that better of a kid and uh, better in life and in general. 
Now, Sean, we're getting another tweet from a listener um, who writes, there are great gyms in Connecticut, but they charge fees. Amateur boxers often get waived, but there are fewer places to go for free that could maybe help these good young fighters that are in these neighborhoods. What's your take? Uh, there's, uh, There are gyms that um, they, I guess they have a monthly fee. Um, my, I run a small gym that um, I don't take a penny from anybody, but it's it's such a small gym that I keep uh, maybe a handful of kids and work with them uh, at a time. And usually they'll they'll get to the next step for to become a boxer, or they come in and just uh, get their work, and they um, eventually keep their uh, you know get a get a job, and they work uh, through the community. But there are gyms out there if you um, if you look good. Uh, you know, in the, the Bridgeport area, the New Haven area, um, the Hartford area, there's uh, plenty of gyms up there. I'm, they're, they're all over the state. If you go to usaboxing.org, um, you'll, you'll see all the registered gyms in the state, and you can, you can find a gym that will uh, suit you, and uh, you could go from there. Well, I want to thank Sean Malone, Jr. He's a trainer, former professional boxer, 2016 inductee into the Connecticut Boxing Hall of Fame. Thank you so much, Sean, uh, for your perspective. And I want to ask uh, Scott, who's the uh, state boxing chair, uh, to stay with us because we want to find out a little bit more about efforts again. Uh, you've said you want to make uh, boxing uh, Connecticut the boxing capital of the world, and we want to hear a little bit more about those efforts on the state level. Also, we're going to hear from some listeners about uh, how this sport appeals to all people from all backgrounds, including women. We're going to talk about that after this short break. This is where we live. This is Where We Live. I'm Lucy Nalbathanchel. We know many of you tune in to Where We Live on your car radio or stream us live at WMPR.org. But if you can't listen live mornings at 9 or evenings at 7, rather, you can subscribe to Where We Live on NPR One, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, or any podcast app. Now, coming up Monday, one of New England's most picturesque and storied churches, the United Congregational Church in Bridgeport, will soon be transformed into a mosque. On the next Where We Live, we learn the story behind the Islamic Community Center's recent purchase of this old UCC building and the strong interfaith partnership that made it possible. That's coming up on Monday. Now, today we're talking about boxing in Connecticut. The sport has a rich history in the state, and now there's efforts to make it popular again in Connecticut's largest city. That's Bridgeport. And to tell us more again, we're joined by Scott X. Estale, chair of the State Boxing Commission. Also in studio with me is author Rich Biondi, who's a boxing historian. We may go back to you a little bit later, uh, Rich. But I wanted to turn back to you, Scott. Um, obviously, uh, this is a very passionate subject uh, for some people who follow boxing um, in the state. Tell us more about this retreat that you're going to be doing with the mayor's office in Bridgeport. Well, what we're striving to do is just to have a conversation uh, about how uh, we, we, we bring some of the major players from this area to the table to have a conversation on how we could really make uh, Connecticut very competitive with other boxing uh, cities across America. And we have to evaluate, assess all the resources that we have in the state of Connecticut and 
compare it with other areas across the country and then put the best minds around the table about putting a comprehensive plan together to implement. And uh, that's what we're at. This is the stage that we're at now. Uh, we're just at a conversation stage. Uh, the plan is not concrete yet. We want to get as many people around the table as possible, open the doors for boxing, open the doors for people that are not even boxers. Sometimes we just have uh, people <clears throat> that are that run gyms, that are managers, that are trainers. It's extremely important to have those people at the table, but we also have to bring other people that know how to do big events, mm-hmm. uh, that, are, uh, uh, that are promoters, that are trendsetters, that are into fashion, that are into restaurants that are into hotel management and bringing those type of people around the table to figure out how to enhance the sport in the state also so we got people from the department of economic and community development the speakers borough we have people from espn Mm -hmm. we have people from embassy sports we have people from uh from all over the state are coming to the table mm-hmm. to be a part of this conversation. Elected now, officials. Now, Scott. I heard uh, of the young man from Wallingford. I forgot his name. What was his name again? Sean Malone, Jr. And I wanted to ask you just quickly before we go to a call, uh, Scott. We know boxing's not mixed martial arts. There were efforts to bring MMA here in Connecticut. What happened there? And I know there's a big audience for um, MMA, also the UFC. Um, well, how do you yeah, compete with that? have the elected officials to the, at the table also, mm-hmm. so they'll understand uh, the tax situation and what's, what are the handcuffs uh, on promoters now that are, that, are, that are hampering them to take boxing to the mm-hmm. next level in Connecticut. And, you know, there's a huge craze around UFC and MMA uh, uh, sports, and, uh, not only here in the state but all across the nation. And how do we encourage to get more fights here uh, in the state also? Uh, uh, also, I forgot to bring up, you know, everyone, I know a lot of, a lot of people in the conversations that I, I have are, are, are all based around casino, 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 casino. Uh, we need to do all of our fights at the casinos, but there's a lot of other opportunities outside of casinos. And Linda McMahon, who runs WWE, uh, who's headquartered in Stanford, Connecticut, she does events, and her husband do, do events all over the world uh, at, 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 at venues that are not uh, casino-oriented. So, you know, there was a huge fight at a uh, UFC fight at Madison Square Garden a couple of weeks ago that made tons of money. That made tons of money uh, without a casino there. And WWE does events at facilities all over the world uh, that don't have casinos attached to them. So that's why we're having this event at Webster Arena, figuring out how we could do more events at the XL Center. Uh, and then we want, as as uh, was stated earlier. That we want to do smaller events, but even in the smaller events, the local events, we want to make sure that they're fabulous events, top-notch events. They have top-notch support around them from the community and from the state and from the elected officials and from the uh, from the uh, uh, the state abroad to make sure that all of the events that we have. There's a tremendous amount of support around it. Well, I want to th- thank Scott X. Esdale. Again, he's chair of the Connecticut Boxing Commission. That retreat in Bridgeport's happening next week. We'll have to circle back to find out uh, where this goes, Scott. But I do thank you for your time today. And uh, we're going to head now to this topic that I asked before the break, and that is, you know, boxing has often been seen as a masculine sport. But we know women are now getting into this uh, this sport, and uh, we have a caller now that's on the uh, holding. Uh, Addie's calling in. Uh, Addie, welcome to the show. Hi, good morning. So tell us about uh, what brought you to, to boxing. Um, well, originally I was brought up in Brooklyn, New York, 
during during the bad times. Um, I fought in the street a lot. I ended up in uh, at about 18. I ended up in Miami uh, Beach, trying to start a whole new life. I met somebody over there who had family here, Hartford, Connecticut, and I figured let me give Hartford, Connecticut a try. Uh, ended up in Bellevue Square back in the day, fighting again, and that's when I met uh, Johnny Duke back in the day, and Johnny Duke asked me, you know, why don't you come to the gym and fight? So I went to the gym, and he put me in at the time with Mike Oliver. Mike Oliver was a little a little kid at the time and i got my hand, my my butt whooped by a little kid <laughs> and i got got mad left told him i don't need to do this and he said well if you want to learn come back and i ended up coming back a few days after do you find more women are, are getting into this sport what are you seeing out there i think a lot a lot i think women have been in the sport i just think that uh People don't. They think it's it's a it's a masculine sport. They they don't give women a chance. And I know I know when I was pro, plenty of women. I mean, we did as much work as the guys did. And um. And I don't think people people even like. People always you know told me our oh, women don't belong in the sport. But no matter what, we still we still trained. And why would they say that women don't belong? I don't know. I think you know. You know, it's like uh, a lot of males would tell me that. Oh, you guys don't belong in the sport. You know, it's it's somewhere you could get hurt. But there's a lot of tough women out there. A lot of tough women. I trained with 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 a lot of tough women, like Kaylee Reese from Rhode Island, Shelly Vincent, her fiance, you know, Jennifer, Salinas. You know, there's a lot of tough women out there. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for sharing a little bit about what brought you to the sport. I want to turn back to our in-studio guest before the end of the show again, Rich Biondi, who has written a couple books about boxing. Um, you know, you were turned on to the sport from from stories from your grandfather, who was a boxer. What do you think from this conversation about the bringing it back to the Connecticut, hearing how the sport has changed? Where is it going, Rich? Well, before I, I would like to comment just on what the previous uh, person mentioned. Uh, Johnny Duke, we can't have a conversation about boxing here in Hartford or Connecticut and not talk about Giulio Gallucci was his real name. And he grew up in the streets in Hartford, got into trouble. And for decades, 50 years, he trained fighters out of the Charter Oak Gym and the Bellevue Gym. And as Sean mentioned, he developed great amateur champions, professional fighters, champions, but there were hundreds of other kids who looked to him as a father figure and he helped kids stay off the streets and gave them an opportunity to develop self-respect and learn discipline and the difference between right and wrong. So that's what boxing really is, I, I believe, at its, at its core. Yes, it's an opportunity for a handful to make a lot of money. The sport's never going to disappear. It's always going to be in existence. It's been around since the, the Greeks and the Romans, and I hope that with the efforts of the state boxing uh, chairman and his uh, the people on his commission and the dedicated trainers like Sean and, and Brian Clark in New Haven that if it's going to start from the grassroots, it seems like those people are in place to bring the sport back to its heyday where there were weekly shows uh, throughout the state at large and small venues. And when we look at boxing, it's more than meets the eye. It's not just a violent sport. 
uh, all sports have an element in violence, I, I think. Um, there's a lot of respect between boxers. I learned that very quickly. Guys who were rivals like, uh, you know, Jake LaMotta and Tony Zale respected each other. There uh, are Arturo Gotti and Mickey Ward. Uh, after they fought, there was a mutual respect. And as um, I, th- I believe it was Sean who said at these tournaments, there, there is a lot of respect between the boxers and it, it's just a, a different type of person who goes into that sport. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of respect they receive in the community, the boxing community, and in also in the sports community because of the fact that they are a rarity. It's a breed apart. It truly is the professional boxer. Rich Biondi is a boxing historian, author of a couple of books, including Pugilistic Paisani, a concise history of the Italian and Italian-American boxing champions, uh, a social studies teacher and track coach at Branford High School. Thank you for coming in. I enjoyed this hour. learned a, a lot. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure, and I really enjoyed myself. Our show is produced by Jeff the Terrible Tyson and Miss uh, Lydia Brown. We're going to have some fun as we go. <laughs> We're going to have fun as we go out into the weekend. Thank you to Lydia Brown. Our technical producer is Kyone Wolf. <laughs> Kyone. WNPR's executive producer is Katie Tularski. There's my cue. There's my cue. It's time to wrap up. Check out WNPR.org slash where we live for more about the show. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. <laughs>